back. It's an 87th Precinct bonus episode. We were looking in our main episode at the 1964 87th Precinct story, Axe. Or, if you're in the UK, as I said before, Axe. It was the 18th book in the 87th Precinct series. And as usual, in our bonus episode, we will concentrate mainly on looking at the editions that we own and some of the original editions that were released and giving you an assessment thereon. So, without further ado, I think we need to turn to the editions that we own. So, I think Morgan and I have pan editions, is that right? We do indeed, yep. Steve-O has a penguin edition. So, I think we should go to Steve-O first, because his penguin edition is cool. is probably the earliest one out of all of us. Well, let me, uh, let me take um, a look, really. Mid-60s. Um, reprinted 69. Published penguin book 68. So, and okay. into that cover, it looks like it looks like a, some kind of Pink Floyd album sleeve, wasn't yeah, it? It's like it's, a hypnosis yeah. kind of, uh, yeah, like. Well, describe it for the nice well, ladies a, and it's gentlemen. A, it's a Tony Palladino. So he did a lot of the photographic penguin covers, as Bo- we've discovered. Black and white yeah. image of a what looks like a a man with a log for a head with an axe in the top of it. But what it actually probably is, is a log with a shirt (laughs) wrapped around it to make it look like a man. Possibly. Men don't have big logs for heads. Not generally. It's got an axe in the top. But then everything else is black and white, apart from like the Ed McBain is the uh, penguin green. So yours is a green spine, proper classic green spine. I really like it. It's probably probably the best cover I've had to date on any of mine. I think it's very striking. I'd say it was symbolic, but it's, it's sort of... It's almost literal. <laughs> it, it is. It's literal and figurative, but not symbolic. Yeah, I, don't know. I know what you mean. Well, it's to do with that and that's that. Locked. That's an axe. <laughs> but it's, I think it's a good cover. I like it. I think it's a good cover. It's certainly striking. Yeah, it's striking. It's one that I think when I've come across people sharing images of McBain books on Twitter mm. and Instagram very often comes up and people say this is an awesome cover. It um, is. I've just seen yeah. the, there's a bit of a nose there and that's his mouth. Ah, right. I think Steve O's. I've just noticed that. Now. I can't tell that from here. I don't know whether I agree with you, but I think oh, he's just attributing human um, anyhow, characteristics and, yeah, to. Looks more like a dog, but. <laughs> I don't think a dog was involved. There's a word for when you... Oh, the word is paradolia, when you Ooh. when you see human faces in things. Oh, so, you know, what, when you see, like, a plug socket, like a, uh, like a continental one, and the two mm. pins, and people say, oh, it looks like the eyes and the nose and things. When I think that's called paradolia. There's, there's a really good Twitter feed for those, which I've, I've become moderately obsessed with, just uh, right. faces and things. Uh, yeah, faces and things, essentially. Unlike <laughs> the house that looks like Hitler. I think there's one that used to do the rounds. But that's what Steve-O's edition is. So he's got a nice classic penguin edition. I have, yeah. Steve-O, what does it smell like? Well, I need to do the smelling all together. Oh, okay. Well, okay. well, no, right, you well, describe the, your covers. And well, the you describe the cover of yours, Morgan. You've got a pan edition that's different to mine. Okay, uh, I've got... The, all uh, these will be on yeah, Instagram. It looks say, in remarkably good nick, that, Morgan. It, 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 it looks in remarkably good nick. <laughs> I'm not going to discuss the smell because we're going to yeah. get to that in a moment. Um, mm. So it's the pan edition, um, 1982 fifth printing. Oh, right, okay. So, so it's called Axe. It's got a big picture of a, a bloodied axe on the front. You can't go far wrong with that. Simple. Does what it says on the tin, etc. Yeah. 
not much more to say about no, it. It's, no scribblings or dedications? or. No, uh, in terms of dedications, uh, let's have a look. Oh, you've got Yeah, I forgot about there, that. Yeah. It, was, it just says Maggie. Some, someone's written in Biro Maggie in the front of yours. A- apart from being dedicated to Barbara and... and Barbara uh, and Leonard, Leonard Harris. Harris, indeed. Who... I don't know who they are. I have a feeling I started researching that and I feel like I haven't got the information to hand and I apologise and I will do everything in my power to try and find out and get that information to you. I'm very sorry. Very, very sorry. Well, so you should be. Because we've all got old editions, you haven't, this isn't one that's been rededicated as, uh-huh. as many of them were in later printings as well. Yeah. My edition is a pan edition from 1976. It's, a, it's the second printing of the 75 edition. And again, it's got an axe on the front. Let's have a look. And it's just an axe. It's not. Oh, even, it's, it's, not a, it's a rather cleaner axe than mine. It is. It's a photograph of an axe. And here, Made I know I am a nerd. I know I am a nerd, and I've proven it time and time again on this podcast, in, and generally in how I conduct my life. A nerd? You? No. <laughs> no. The axe on the cover of this edition has a stamp on it. And so it turns out that this axe that's photographed on this pan edition is made by Hultzbruck axes. Okay. Who have been hand-forged in Sweden since 1697. Hultzbruck evoke a bygone era, a time when axes were an essential lifeline in the wilderness. Their collection of axes, hatchets, splitting and felling axes are made for working outdoors the traditional way, and they still exist to this day. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you think that Sam Whitson would have been given such a prestigious axe for his wood-chopping duties? I suspect what actually happened is that someone was tasked with making a photograph for the front of this book, (laughs) and they probably had more money to buy an axe than anyone else who's ever actually needed an axe (laughs) has. has, And they've gone out and bought bought the best Swedish axe they can find. You've got some squiggles in yours. I have got axe. So, steve can tell you about what's inside the front cover of my book. It's got an Ex Libris sticker it in. It says, some, a couple of initials, Llewellyn Hodge. A-D-A-R-A, Llewellyn Hodge. It's quite hard to tell what the first initials are, because it's written calligraphically. Yeah, D-A. With a lot of swirls. Llewellyn like Hodge, Elizabeth the first. 1979, yeah. yeah. It's very, very fancy. I have a feeling I've got a couple with that uh, signature. Do we know who this is? No, no have idea. Have you Googled? I've tried, I've tried. Yeah, probably a nobody. But it's someone who's who's got Ex Libris stickers to stick in the front. Yeah. Which Ex Libris just means from the library of, which means I own this book. Yeah. <laughs> from the library of D.A. Llewellyn Hodge. I wonder if they, they're still alive and they're out there and they're regretting the fact that we're now forensically yeah. exploring their yeah. books. Now, we're going to sniff Llewellyn Hodge's book oh, in uh, three seconds. That wasn't so, three yeah. seconds. Uh, Viscount Llewellyn Hodge, if you're listening, <laughs> your book is now being sniffed. Fairly neutral flavoured. So, flavoured. <laughs> probably a bit more uh, to yours. Approach with caution. Well, I'm going to have to go, to go <laughs> with right, it. This is Morgan's. Ooh, no, I quite <laughs> like that, though. Oh, yeah, yours wins absolutely hands down. Oh, but I'll I, but to, I quite I'll like that. A hit of this. I think it's quite a nice smell, that. See, I can't normally even smell Classic these books. old book smell, That's that. That's quite musty. Uh, but, uh, it's yeah, gone to the back of my throat I a little bit. I can't normally smell these books, but this particular one I had to read at arm's length because it was particularly acrid. That smells about as old as the happy kids. <laughs> it does. So I think um, covers, I'm... 
I'm self-proclaiming mine the best cover, but yeah, yours Steve-O's has got the best smell. Steve-O's has got the best cover, Morgan's has got the best smell, and mine's no, got the best, best random scribbles in it. Yep, so we're all winners in yeah, our own way. Yeah. We will share those on the Twitter feed. Apart the from the smell. Feed. Well, we can't share, yeah. Until they invent a sort of smell internet. I mean, the internet does smell pretty bad most <laughs> it, of the time. It really stinks. But I also have some reproduction of the original covers, so... As most of the recent books were, that it was issued in hardback by Simon and Schuster in America. It was issued in Hamish Hamilton in the UK, and they used the same cover design, which was, and I'll show you this in a second, basically an axe hitting someone's head. Okay. It was issued in pocket books. Now this is interesting. Hmm. It's not in perma books anymore. It's in pocket books. Pocket Books released Perma Books originally, but I think the Perma Books imprint has gone now. Okay. But this was released as Pocket Books. Looks almost exactly the same mm. as a Perma Book, but the original paperback was. I quite I quite like the design of this. It's the word, it's an axe smashing the word axe. Oh, cool. But there was also a release in a thing called in hardback called Thriller Book Club Edition. Ooh. And I'm deliberately holding off on showing you the cover of this <laughs> because it's. Let's have a look. Let's have well, a look. Well, let me explain first what the Thriller Book Club was, because it's quite interesting. As best as I can tell, the Thriller Book Club was a series of special editions produced in the UK under the guidance of a chap called W.A. Foyle, who, we can assume, is William Alfred Westrup Foyle. It was Foyle's man. Foyle's Bookshop, mm. which is the huge, important bookshop in London, which has just been bought out by Waterstone. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, mm. yeah. So he was a businessman who opened this bookshop in 1903, Foils, which if you ever come to London, you should go down Charing Cross Road and go to all the second-hand bookshops, but you want to go to this big flagship bookshop, Foils. And they owned quite a lot of Charing Cross Road at mm. one point, not as much now. And the way I sort of worked out was the, the Thriller Book Club editions have an address on it of 121 Charing Cross mm. Road, and that was once one of Foils' properties. So they seem to republish in special book club editions quite a bunch of stuff that yeah. was put out in Hamish Hamilton or whatever. Clearly it was one of his entrepreneurial things of getting these copies out there. So I'll show the gentleman here the, the covers, especially the bottom one, which is a Thriller Book Club edition, which is very strange, so perhaps Steve could describe it. Well, the one at the bottom? Yeah. Well, you, you're clearly in a basement, I would say, of the apartment building at the bottom of the stairs, peering through into the gloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a man in overalls there who has got a hatchet raised above his head and looking behind a wall. So he can't see who he's looking at, but he's, he is appearing to hold the uh, the ratchet in menace. The ratchet? Mm-hmm. Ratchet. Uh, hatchet. hatchet. No, it's not a hatchet. It is, it is a... Um, it's a, a monkey a, wrench. A monkey wrench, yeah. Mm. Which does uh, figure in the book. Yeah. So that's a... That's yeah, but it's a red herring of a cover, isn't it? It is. It's a because bit of a curious thing. It's the character is rendered as as black, isn't mm. it? So, mm. well, or uh, well, I think it's a pretty clear reproduction yeah, of the cover. I'm, so. not, I'm, I'm not I'm, sure. I think it could be the shade there. Uh, I'm fairly certain he's meant to be black. Surely, well, the, this uh, person, particularly just because like where yeah. his hands in the light there, you uh, can maybe yeah. Hmm. But the earlier editions, uh, the actual well, yeah, first hardback so editions and paperback editions are quite nice, graphic design-wise. Oh, yeah, 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 they're great. I quite like this one. quite like that one. So. But yeah, that, that, that bottom one does seem to be deliberately trying to throw the reader off the scent somewhat. Mm. Um, so those, those are, well, that's the history of the different editions of the book, including the ones that we have to hand. For once, none of us has this 
as an Orion edition or a whatever that other publisher was that we don't oh, particularly Oh, Al- Alison and Busby. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if they got this far along. I think they mainly no. went up to like the early 60s and then stopped. But uh, it's normally me who's got the dreadful Orion version mm-hmm. for some reason. I have no idea why. No, we've all got like quite fun ones. Yeah, so there we go. That's that, really. And in terms of what I've got to talk about, that's, that's about it. I was wondering, you know, if we'd been uh, up to watching or reading any other crimey stuff recently. Crimey stuff? Where uh, I've been re-watching re- uh, some Inspector Morses, which are always great fun. Inspector Morse is brilliant. Who's a big, um, a grumpy detective from Oxford. Is... Inspector Morse, a police procedural, or is it a detective story? See, I've never, I've never read any of the books. I started um, reading one of them while I was on. But they're supposedly very good, aren't they? Yeah, well, I enjoyed the one I was reading, and it annoyed me that I had to leave it at the place oh, because it no. wasn't my property. I don't think they're police procedurals, though, are they? No, I don't think so. Morse, Morse, Morse is too much of a maverick for and that. More in the sort of like more classic detective novel yeah. sort of mould. But trying to trying to make. Yeah, but he's constrained by yeah, he's forever the police being, system, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, okay, he's so forever. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get to do anything particularly off book, as it were. Oh. He always has uh, strange remorse. <laughs> he, he does that. <laughs> I wish every, I could render s- that in words as the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he always does that in every single episode. But no, I should read those because they are supposedly good. Yeah, um, and I think originally a, a li- quite a bit different because the Lewis character. Instead of being like a a, a Geordie who's like you know fifteen years younger than Morse's character, twenty you know mm. something like that, uh, he's actually older than Morse, isn't he? Or same age as and like a Welsh guy. Yeah, so uh, he's someone who's not progressed as far through the police by the same yeah. point. Yeah, and Morse drives around in like an old Lancia, as opposed to a, like a a Jaguar. Yeah, in the, in the TV but I think series. he likes real ale and likes opera as. I wonder. Colin Dexter did, I a think. lot of um, British crime series nowadays translates across to the US mm. because I think there's a lot more with these big successes like Broadchurch and things mm. like that. I think they get bought out and 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 sent over to America. I wonder with things like Morse, which happened in the eighties oh, and nineties. An American Inspector Morse. <laughs> well, <laughs> where would he be set though? Where's the equivalent of Oxford, so the university to... town in? Uh, oh, what's oh, well. MIT or somewhere? I don't know. It's, it's... I don't know. You'd, you'd set him somewhere probably on the East Coast, I guess. Like, I don't know. Would yeah. you have him in, in Where, like... Where's, where's um, one of the big universities In, like, there? New Haven or something? Ooh, um, yeah, what university's there? Is that, that Yale? Yale, yeah. So something like that. It'd have to be somewhere. Because half of them involve academics. Dons and professors. Yeah. And, <laughs> and scientists looking for research yeah, money. So it'd have to be something like that, yeah. Yeah, and he's quite close to London, so quite often some of the other the stories involve him popping into London. So if mm. he was there, he could pop into wherever. Yeah, he could pop to New York or or what have you. Yeah, that'd yeah. Be I just wonder if it ever made it over there, particularly in terms of the TV series, whether it would have translated over to. I don't know. Anyway, mm. have you seen Inspector Morse? If you live. Outside of the That's UK is a question, question I am asking. Yeah, they're good, yeah. And I've started eat, uh, today or yesterday, but only read a few pages. Um, that book I uh, bought, uh, uh, Axel Sund Ericsson, uh, The Crow Girl, which got very good reviews. Hmm. When's that time. from? Um, last year. All right, okay. 
So are we and talking Scandi Noir? Yeah, but I remember Mark Lawson giving it a very good uh, review. Um, oh, Mark Lawson. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it seems it seems Hello. quite. Uh, That's my the, the first <laughs> the first few pages has some unnamed person buying lots of polystyrene to clearly soundproof a room and putting a child in it, and then the second kind of bit of the chapter is the body of a child being found. Eep. And so it's Ouch. like, ooh, right. Okay. Sounds alarming. And it's got quite small writing and is very thick. Okay. So I'll keep you busy. Yeah. Indeed it will. Whereas I've been reading a Raymond Chandler. Ooh. Not a one? not a Ramon Chaniel. <laughs> I, I do love uh, Philippe Malou. <laughs> um <laughs> His main character, but... Uh... But, no, I've been reading Raymond Chandler and Playback, oh. which is one of his later ones. Well, I've, yeah, I've, it's like the one, last one with it's, Philip Marlowe. The, the, the last full one that he wrote before Poodle Springs, which uh, Robert B. Parker finished. Yeah. Is that the one with which has got a really weird end? Where it's, in oh, some I don't know, I've not got to the end some... yet. It's, 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 it's the one after The Long Goodbye... Uh, well, I've definitely, definitely read it. I've definitely def- read it. But... Like the Longer Bike should totally have been the last novel in that series. It's, it's interesting playback. I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, Don't know where it's going there's yet. definitely stuff to enjoy there, but it's it's a minor entry into the canon, I think. And I, I must have read it 15 years ago. So I can't remember. I was. I seem to remember it having a pretty weird ending in some house with some bottles. Or I, that, I, I forget now, but. Because I read it, in, a, in, a, in, I read it in an omnibus with like all the novels leading up to it. Did you read it on an omnibus? Sadly not. Well, pr- probably partly actually. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, like after reading the Long Goodbye, it was like, oh, I kind of wish he hadn't just written this one because Long Goodbye was awesome. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Sure. It, it's, it's, well, you're it's, giving me a lot of uh, hope for enjoying that. Oh, no, no, I, I, I still enjoy reading it, don't get me wrong. It's like when we don't enjoy an epic vein novel, it, yeah. comparatively, it's still it's still a good reading experience. Fair enough. I need to reread those because I, I just cannot remember what happens in any of them. I've not really. read Poodle Springs, which is the, the, the unfinished one that Rob right. B. Parker finished, but all having heard many people savaging it I'm probably not super keen to go out of my way to read it Okay, one of those that I, I remember that I liked amazingly was is it Lady in the Lake? yeah yeah, that's very good I remember that being I think that was probably the first one I read and just thought I think like pretty much like mm. all the way from uh, The Big Sleep through to uh, The Long Goodbye you can't Put a foot wrong, really. Mm. No, all... it's a run of books that is solidifies the detective, the, you know, the solo hero detective in in perfect form. They're all absolutely storming, and the writing's wonderful. And it, there's people who criticise his, his later writing, but I think like the longer by, oh well, no, it's not, it's not as tightly written, and he's getting Marlowe's getting sentimental. It's like. Can, can the character not develop? I think he can. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I, I, I like that. Um, so the high window as well, is that? High windows cracking, yeah. yeah. All, all, all yeah, I, I need like to reread novels. those, actually, I think. There's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Morgan? Anything crimey on the uh, watching or reading front recently? Nothing, like, 
specifically super kind of exactly crimey but at the moment I'm reading 2666 by Roberto Bellano which doesn't start as it's this big thick chunk of a novel by this Chilean writer I think it's published after he died he originally wanted it to be published as five separate books but it just came out as one massive yeah. doorstop and so far like nothing massively crimey has happened in it but there is talk of a serial killer in the town in which Ooh. much of the action is set so I think that's going to crop up at some point oh. it, I don't think it's going to be in any way a crime novel it's a bit more for, from the write-ups that are on the the jacket of the book, like some have described it as how they'd imagine it would have been if George Louis Borges had written a novel, or um, I think one of the reviews is if you've enjoyed snacking on Murakami, have a feast with uh, Roberto oh, Bolano. Well, that's interesting there uh, because both Borges or Borges, uh, properly, <laughs> and Murakami are both. Detective story fans Indeed. and have written detective stories. Yeah, so I, I think there's going. There, there, there's. It seems like there, there's going to be a crime element to to this yeah. story, whilst it also blows your mind in different ways all over the place too. Um, it's it's fascinating. I have no idea where it's going. Oh, that's good. That's nice. So I'm enjoying it. The only other book I've been reading is the Daily Telegraph cryptic crossword book, which I occasionally look at and try and do some clues, and then put it down again. So, there you yeah, go. Yeah, it's wind me up too much, that. I, I like a cryptic crossword, but... I don't like holding something that says Daily Telegraph on it. That, no, that, that upsets me. So that, I usually scribble the name out on the front. I do find the Telegraph one is normally easier than yes. the Guardian one, though. It is. And the Observer, there, there's a cryptic crossword to go for. Well, yeah. <laughs> Life's too short for cryptic crosswords. I feel that they feel like you, well, your life is extended by how slow it makes you feel like your brain is going while you try to work yeah, them out. I'm just not intelligent enough for them. Afraid. I don't think it's intelligence. It's just like it's knowing getting, the system. That's it. It's getting your brain attuned to the system. That's all it is. Well, so, well, absolutely. Yeah, I believe. You got any updates for us on Pyro, Steve? <laughs> Poirot. You got any more information? Any new Poirot stories? No, no, I can't. I can't. What dream-wise? <laughs> just just dream general Poirot. No, you told us a new, a new one last time. You just, you just, just like, I think you spun. What about Maigret? Nothing. You may have spun oh, a Poirot story. What am I on about? I've just finished a Maigret. I finished right, a Maigret okay. two days ago. Yeah, Indeed. yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell happened? You see, I'm, I'm as bad with those as uh, as these. Uh, what happened in that? Oh yeah, like yeah, that. I think he was eighty-seven as well. Perhaps that's why I said eighty-seven instead of eighty-six. That was an eighty-seven guy who had been found in his study, shot four times, and uh, Maigret couldn't work out why. But in the end, he did. <laughs> and I think Spoiler it, alert! I think it's called. In the end, I think it's he called. Did. He was an ex-ambassador. This guy. And I think it was called Maigret in Society. Oh, very nice. Uh, but he have quite a nice flourish by Simeon because he, at the very end he says where he is when he finished writing it. So it'd be Aww. like uh, Simeon, wherever he is, nineteen June 1960 or something yeah. at the very end. 
Oh, Excellent. nice flourish. You started reading any of yours? You bought some, didn't you? I've, I've, I've got like a bunch waiting to go. I haven't yeah. read them yet, but uh, I'll I think let you know when I do. Simonon is, is definitely on the list of our recommendations, our official recommendations yeah. list, I would have thought. The couple I've read, I've really, really enjoyed. Yeah, they're a bit peculiar, some, some of them, I would say. I, well, also, yeah. there's the translation issue from from the French. Yeah, I think there's yeah, a couple there of different is. translations. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into those because mine are like the the most recent translations. So uh, hopefully, should be really good. I've read. I must have read a dozen. I would say, mm. and yeah, and some some seem quite preposterous when you read them, where others seem a bit more procedurally, to be honest, and a bit kind of like. A, you know, but this is this is akin. post-war France police yeah, procedural, which yeah, is very different from yeah. the 1950s. American but he, you know, but he's up against the system, and then, then others he just does a bit of a, you know, <laughs> just goes off and does his own thing, and you know, a bit more less unbelievable. But they're always like really good. He's very good for like invoking the atmosphere mm. of like. Uh, Foggy canals, and, <laughs> uh, you, you know, down by the quayside, and yes. you know when he has to go out to like rural France, up, you know. And we do always enjoy a well-invoked foggy canal. Yeah, yeah, well, he's very good at that, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> and did I, I, I? Well, when I was away, maybe after the last one or before, I read another seminar about a Dutch serial killer. A Dutch serial yeah. killer. So I, it was in my pile, and I thought it was a, a Maigret, and it wasn't. Hmm. Um, it was called The Man Who Watched Trains Go By. Uh, and it's you based, watch trains go by sometimes. Uh, mm. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, stand, a standalone novel about this guy who basically gets told he's going to be made redundant and... He kind of goes mad and goes on a bit of a killing spree, but Gosh. it's written from like I don't think it's first, but I think it's third person. But you just follow him around. Mm. Oh right, um, wow. sounds interesting. Yeah, and he's just descent into madness basically. Wow. Ooh. And yeah, it was reasonably early. I seem to remember. Hmm. There you go. See, it's not all about America and the UK. Go to France as well, or Kenneth Connor, or Kenneth. We. I was going to say, we haven't mentioned (laughs) Kenneth Connor, (laughs) but but the simple fact is, uh, just before we conclude this episode, one thing I forgot to mention in the first episode was a true crime aspect. And, you know, I don't like to go on about true crime because, you know, there's quite a lot of true crime podcasts out there and I'm sure they've dealt with this, the eight million of them that there are. Do you mean true crime? Or do do I mean true true crime? crime? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe there's an aspect. This is true crime without the question mark. One of the things I listed that happened in 1964 in America was someone called Albert DeSalvo was captured, finally. He was the Boston Strangler. Oh, right. Well, that was a huge well, case. This could be true crime, because is there not quite a big school of thought that the guy that they caught to, who was the Boston Strangler was actually never the Boston Strangler? I don't know. I didn't look into it that yeah, detail. I believe so. <laughs> My... Uh, Serial killer knowledge. Uh, I think there are doubts about whether he was the guy. Oh, right. Gosh. Like real, genuine, not just conspiracy theory doubts, kind of. Because it was. He big doubts. killed a lot of people, the Boston Yeah. yeah. And, and, and did they not. I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head here, so I might be totally wrong, but were there not a couple of different MOs? Modus operandi. And, yeah. So there might have been two. 
Boston. Yeah, no, I think I think Same this thing. guy was like a bit of a chatterbox, and yeah, I think he might have owned up for something just for the n- narrative. Yeah, well, there's, of it. there's a history of mm-hmm. confessors, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a good character in, I'm put looking at Morgan here. There's a good character in 2000 AD. I think it's in Judge Dredd called Edwin the Confessor. Yeah, is in one of the fell, stories yeah. someone who just confesses a load of crimes <laughs> and he's, he loves it when Judge Dredd locks him up for obstructing justice or something like that because that's all he wants out of it. It's it's all, like, mirrored in, in uh, Frankie the Squealer in The Simpsons uh, many years later. <laughs> I can't help it, I just love squealing. <laughs> Talking of true crime, have you seen The Staircase on Netflix? I've not seen The Staircase on Netflix. You should watch that. Well, maybe so, I will. So, we should. Well, I'm too busy watching Better Call Saul once a week. So you should uh, check that out, see what you think. I'm too busy waiting for Better Call Saul to get a few weeks in so I can watch, watch several at once. <laughs> well, you could fill up the time by watching Iron Fist and getting really bored. I did that for a bit and then I stopped. Although I will say... It does get better as it goes along because Misty Knight comes into it and she's brilliant. Misty Knight is cool. Um, I have yeah, got really behind with all the Marvel things, sadly. It's I'm, almost I'm, like there's too much TV these days and kids don't know they're born. Exactly. They should have to wait until Nightmare comes on at 4.45. I reckon, I've, or I reckon I watch less. There's, there's more choice. I reckon I've watched less. Yeah, Hence I I watching reruns of 30-year-old Inspector Morse because yeah. it's just like... Both. Yeah. yeah. There's like loads of things I kind of want to watch. I don't watch any of them. And then I watch like a top of Pops from 1986 and then I'm done. Yeah. And I watch an episode of Doctor Who from 1964 (laughs) (laughs) with some robots with tubes coming out of them. And that's the main (laughs) plot point. (laughs) Well, you know, we're a happy, healthy bunch. So we are. We're well rounded individuals. (laughs) But, um,. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't really think that we've got anything else to say, have we? I don't think so. We could probably cover a bit more. Well, I've not done any. I've not done any true crime. What do you want to do? A true, true crime? Well, crime. True crime. Well, I've not thought about one, but should we see how it goes? Yeah, go on. Let's see and, what happens uh, here. If it's no good, we can get rid we'll of it. We'll put it out. Yeah. What was the general involved? It's just starting a new one. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It'll probably be easiest. What like as a bit of a as a bit of a resume about what a particular episode was going to be like? Just do. Just tell us about a true crime. Oh, you know, oh I see what you mean. Yeah. I might edit an underscore <laughs> under this. Well, it's dramatic. Okay. Enough. Yeah. Well. Yeah. If there's some editing going on, then uh, you can get rid of some of those blanks where I'm trying to remember. 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 <laughs> It was hidden behind the combine harvester. It was obscured largely by the big hay bales, sodden from being left too long out in the autumn rain. (laughs) Whilst the barn was dry, the scene was damp, with blood, with soil, with oil. He honed... (laughs) Can I ask a question? Yeah. What, no, no. no <laughs> what county did this take well, place in? I can't believe you just said that because I was just going to say he owned half of Hampshire <laughs> and of his ancestral seat was in Andover but <laughs> between the two spires of that same town. <laughs> 
He was in need of an heir, and in the eight, yeah. Uh, May I? Right, we'll end that. We'll end that. So we've got we've got a scene of a crime in a damp barn. We've got. Twenty spies and Andover. Yeah, and he owns half of Hampshire. So what's your question? Well, so I've got a lot of questions that I've not even answered myself. I believe that the issue was that they couldn't prove the provenance of his previous son as the true heir. And ah. a lot of the issues involved the potential burial of something under one of the fields in Hampshire. Well, and the... What's we on about now? Is this real or... <laughs> <laughs> is, this tr- is this true crime meeting true crime? No, I was making that up. All <laughs> oh, right, OK, yeah, sorry. Right, well, that sounds quite plausible, actually. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost too plausible. <laughs> This is going to be very difficult to edit. <laughs> Sixteen years later, he was arrested on the Isle of Wight hovercraft. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Oh, well, these people could have switched off by this point. On trumped-up charges as well, really. Just merely a way oh, of keeping him away, you, uh, keeping him away from the uh, making his contact. Let me do that a bit again. I can do that a bit, bit better. <laughs> it just requires one line. Sixteen years later, he was arrested on the Isle of Wight hovercraft terminal. No. Sixteen years later, he was arrested on the Portsmouth hovercraft terminal in the rain. Oh, Lord. I'm putting this out unedited now, you know. <laughs> oh, dear me. I'd definitely listen to an entire podcast of Steve or just doing different versions of, of descriptions of someone being arrested at Horrorcraft Terminal. Is Portsmouth funnier than the Isle of Wight? I don't know. Oh, uh, no, yeah, I got that last one wrong. Go with the first one, that was better. <laughs> okay. Well, you realise this is going out entirely unedited. Oh, right. <laughs> well, maybe we... I can get it right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Sixteen years later, he was arrested at the Isle of Wight hovercraft terminal at Portsmouth. (laughs) (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. I'm going to say goodbye now. I must. Goodbye now. (laughs) Goodbye now. Chop, chop. (laughs)